This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 892, Spotlight on Black Widow. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 892. It's a spotlight episode on the Black Widow movie, uh, which officially released uh, last week on Disney Plus and in theaters. Uh, it was on uh, was July 9th, uh, which was my anniversary. So happy anniversary to me, uh, with my, me and my wife. So we, uh, we watched the movie at home using Disney Plus uh, on our rooftop deck with, uh, with one friend in attendance. Um, and it, it was a very enjoyable movie. I have to say, I have a bit of FOMO watching uh, a lot of people kind of posting that you know their first time back in a movie theater was seeing Black Widow, and I'm jealous because uh, in Toronto that's just not an option. Uh, there are drive-ins, but there's nothing kind of walk um, easily drivable that's less than like a 50 minute or 45 minute drive from where I live, uh, and uh, and that not it's a very late night. Um, with the drive-in, it's just not the same uh, as going to a movie theater. So I'm watching all these kind of videos of people saying, you know, I'm going to a movie theater for the first time in like a year and a half, and I get to see a Marvel movie, and blah, 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 and so great. And definitely feeling a lot of FOMO, um, a lot of uh, kind of feel, feeling uh, very left out, um, because us in Canada, you know, really, at the I feel like, you know, besides drive-in theaters, really the only real option to watch Black Widow is by having Disney Plus and getting the premier access. That being said, uh, this was... The first time I actually used Premiere Access, um, I felt that in previous iterations, uh, when you had Cruella, and what was the one before? It was like Rhea uh, in Mulan. There was more movies that I wasn't clamoring to see. Uh, Cruella, I was like had a mild interest in, but I was also like, I can I can wait. Um, Emma Stone's really the only reason I want to watch that movie. I don't really feel like I needed to watch a Cruella movie. Um, whereas Black Widow was kind of like a, yeah... I gotta get this. Like, there's no getting around it. And I gotta say, Premier Access is a good deal. I mean, the fact that you know you can get access to it and watch it as many times as you want until it's just regularly available on Disney Plus is pretty awesome. Uh, it's not like your standard rental. Considering you're paying in Canada, you're paying 35 bucks. Uh, you get to keep using it, which is pretty cool. Um, I've only watched it once so far, but the fact that like I want to watch it again and I can, and it's not gonna cost me anything. Is that part's kind of nice. Um, and then the whole idea, again, that, you know, if my wife and I had gone to the movie theater and seen it in, in uh, AVX in Canada, so that's, or Ultra AVX, um, which is, you know, assigned seating and, you know, the bigger se- bigger screen, bigger sound, uh, it easily would have cost, I think, like eight, $18.25, $18.50. Um, so it would have cost like $37 anyway. So $35 plus taxes are about the same thing. Um, we no, we did end up splurging on getting like you know Uber Eats brought us you know Cineplex popcorn uh, from our movie theater that we would normally have gone to, so uh, that definitely cost more than I would have liked. But uh, it was it felt like it's our anniversary. We get to watch a, a MCU movie again. We're getting popcorn. We're doing it. Um, so it was nice. It was it was very fun. Uh, I have to say when we when we watched it, we had a we had, so we have uh, an, uh, a deck or a patio outside at the top of our house, and we were originally going to do it in our back lane and usually we have like movie nights sometimes uh last summer we had them with our neighbors and so we were going to do that and then everyone kind of bailed um you know one guy was out of town uh 
in Montreal for a parade that didn't end up happening because uh, the Canadians lost the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, uh, another neighbor was you know stuck at his office till midnight, so we just didn't really have the option. Uh, well, we had the option, but it was uh, three of us in a, in a back lane or three of us on my deck, which was a little a lot more comfortable. So that's what we ended up doing. Uh, I had one of those moments where um, I had bought a new sound bar to use for uh, outdoor and ended up being woefully uh, unprepared for the task. Um, we had used the sound bar of a neighbor's uh, in the past uh, for movie nights, which we actually did end up having access to, but I was like, at that point, up on my deck, didn't want to have to like, go back down downstairs, go to someone else's garage, take it from them, and have to worry about getting it back. It just was seemed like more hassle than it was worth, but it does feel like their sound bar is of higher vintage than the one I picked up on a lark to see if it would work. Um, we were sitting there, and I felt like I could not hear anything. That being said, I am definitely have hearing issues. Um, so that's probably why. So we ended up switching midway through to a smaller speaker that had somehow more power to it. Um, it was the UE uh, Ultimate Ears Boom, and it worked out quite well. Anyways, so let's jump into talking about the actual movie, since I've spent a lot of time on preamble about what it was like to watch the movie, watching it at home, uh, not being able to be in a movie theater. I did wonder what my interaction with the movie would have been if I was in a crowd. You know, when you're in a crowd, especially an opening night crowd, and there's big action, and if there's any surprises or if there's any particular funny things, you'll hear the crowd laugh, you'll hear the crowd sigh, and I do miss that feeling. And, you know, when Marvel put out the very kind of emotionally manipulative video a couple months ago, maybe now, or... I think at least a month ago, where it was all about, you know, Marvel's welcoming back to the movies and about, you know, movies bring us together, that kind of stuff, which is obviously manipulative because they want people to see their movies. Um, and it showed the audience reaction to Endgame when, you know, you saw that it was Captain America holding uh, Molnir. Um, that, you know, that was a cool, crazy moment that everyone kind of goes crazy in the theater. That's a very unique communal experience that we have not been able to enjoy. And I felt that for the past year when I've watched movies at home, like watching... Uh, Wonder Woman 84, I mean, I felt like I couldn't even watch that in one sitting. I was so bored. And I thought that my interaction with that would have been different if I had been in a blocked black space of a movie theater with other people who were interested in watching the movie. Maybe I would have liked it more. So that's been on my mind a lot. I, that being said, I really enjoyed Black Widow. I thought it was great. And I thought uh, being in the communal crowd definitely would have been more more fun to kind of enhance some of those emotions. There's some really funny moments in the movie Mainly those by, well, I guess there's two characters that kind of uh, steal the screen when it comes to uh, funny moments or, you know, something that's a little bit funnier, which is Yelena Belova, played by Florence Pugh, and then also um, uh, David Harbour's Red Guardian. Like, those characters are very funny on the page, uh, sorry, on the, and they, you know, it's just, they're really enjoyable. Um, and they, again, they kind of steal, steal the screen a lot. So I'm, I'm excited to... I'm hoping we get to see more of those characters. Now, one of them we know we will, but the other one we're not so sure. Um, this movie is a weird one um, in that, uh, you know, obviously it's kind of a, it's a flashback movie to something that we already know. We already know where Black Widow dies. And so in some sense, there's less... Um, there's less... Uh, what's the word? Like, tension, because we know she survives, because she has to. Um, it's an interesting kind of place filler that, you know, if you wanted to know how she got the jacket that she wore in Infinity War, which I felt like it looked different to me enough that I didn't immediately make the connection. Uh, or maybe I'm just dumb. Um, but uh, it was interesting to see, you know, they're, they're filling in gaps. Um, I did feel, and I think a lot of people have felt that at the end of the movie, you have General Ross show up with all these guys. 
and we know that she escapes, so we don't really know what happens there. Is that another story? Does she get taken down and then escapes? Probably not, so she probably just escapes somehow there, but I'm not really sure how that happened. Uh, so there's a lot of questions there. Um, the movie definitely sets up Yelena Belova to be the new... I don't know if you want to call her White Widow, Black Widow, whatever you want to call her in the MCU. And this is the first overt, and because it's the first opportunity they've had, to overtly point people towards a future Disney Plus product. Like you have the, the post credit sequence, which, um, you know, introduces, well, not really introduces now because we've already seen her, um, but it has uh, the Contessa Valentina Allegra Fontaine, whatever the rest of her name is. Um, but she shows up played by, uh, I want to say Helene Bennis, but uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus. And we've already seen her in Falcon the Winter Soldier, which obviously was not the original plan. It did make me wonder if this stinger that we saw was filmed after they knew that she was going to show up in the TV series first and not the, this movie. And I, I um, Nathan Strzok, who's been on the show before, mentioned that him and his wife were talking about how um, Florence Pugh looked different. And part of it just may be reshoots, but they think that, that may be the reason why is that they did end up kind of do, changing their minds or doing something differently because of how things ended up being uh, coming out in the in the terms of release order. Um, but yeah, we're setting up, you know, uh, Yelena Belova being in Hawkeye. And I guess that was the big question is like, well, how do you, why is this character going to show up? And now now we have a pretty clear sense of why, because she's hunting Clint Barton. Uh, definitely adds stakes to when she shows up in Hawkeye and makes me even more excited to see what that's like. Um, what I, it, it, I, yeah, I'm very curious how, how the TV shows are going to handle it too, that, you know, how much... I can't imagine someone watching a Hawkeye TV series who doesn't already follow the MCU, um, I guess, at, at the end of the day. Like, I, I can't imagine that being a thing that happens. That someone's like, oh, I'm going to watch this Hawkeye show. Oh, I, no, I don't know anything about the MCU. I've never seen Black Widow. Like, I mean, I guess maybe not seeing Black Widow, but not, not knowing anything about the MCU is unlikely. So I feel like, you know, they're kind of preaching to their own choir at times. Um... But this movie is full of great action, great character beats. I thought it added a lot to Natasha's character. Again, it's sad that, one, it took this long for Marvel to do uh, a, a movie for Black Widow. We already got Captain Marvel, so they've already had their first kind of female-led superhero film. But it's too bad that Black Widow, who predated Captain Marvel, couldn't have had one first. Uh, this movie proves that she can. Um, I mean, the character always could, and ScarJo always could hold a movie, but I guess they just weren't ready to do it. That being said, it's interesting how... At times, the screen is stolen by other characters. Uh, Florence Pugh seems to be having the best time as Yelena Belova because she gets all the funny lines. She gets some great, great you know, pathos as well. But uh, the amount of humor that she gets to deliver is, is quite, it's quite good. Um, it feels very kind of Marvel brand humor. You know, a little bit snarky, but it feels very lived in. I also like that she kind of has more of an accent. Um, I, you can always kind of no prize that away that Natasha doesn't really use the accent or have the accent because, you know, she was working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and kind of maybe trained herself to shed it. Um, whereas Yelena Belova, still working for the um, the Red Room, obviously wouldn't have you know needed to follow that lesson and do that. There's a lot of discussion in this movie about the time uh, in Budapest that Black Widow spent with Hawkeye. We don't actually see Hawkeye. We hear him, and we see a, obviously a, a shot of him at the very end in the in the stinger and the post credit scene. 
But uh, it's interesting that there's so much discussion of him, yeah, he never makes an actual appearance. I'm curious if they ever thought about it or if they thought that would detract too much from it being Natasha's movie. Um, and that, you know, having him there would dilute that a little bit. Um, so I'm curious about that. I'm curious what the writer's room was right, or not writer's room, but, you know, what the writer was thinking about and the thought process that I'm sure they thought about it. And I'm curious what the discussions were like with the higher ups about if they were going to try and include Hawkeye or not, or if that was even on the table, if there's anything they even wanted to think about doing. Um, the Red Guardian shows up here and he's hilarious. He's great. He's a, a kind of a, a sad, tragic figure, but also a very comedic one. Uh, there's the big question also that. You know, who, which Captain America did he fight? Who did he fight? Because uh, he, you know, when we first see him talking about it, it could have just been a boastful claim. But later on, when he asks, you know, if Captain America mentioned him, that seems to indicate that he fought someone. Um, and it, I'm very curious. I mean, given that we know that, you know, there were other super soldiers, we know Isaiah Bradley was active in, I guess, what, the 50s or 60s. Um, so there could have been, you know, a 70s or 80s Captain America who was active or someone who was wearing the costume. Who knows? Be exciting to find out the answer at some point. Not sure if we'll ever get there, but it'd be very cool to find that out. The big question I guess some people had about this movie going in is that when you establish Natasha having a family and you juxtapose that with her thoughts and um, what things that she had mentioned earlier in like Endgame, etc., it definitely kind of brought that into question. However, um, I thought the ending of the movie kind of made it, you know, a, a good ending for that stage of her life and for the family that she had um, and kind of reconnecting there. It does make me wonder if all three of the Red Guardian and I'm forgetting her mother figure but played by Rachel Weiss. but if she had also if those three Yelena um, Red Guardian and the mother figure had all disappeared as part of the blip um, well who knows if we're ever going to find that out um, they all kind of went off to do their own things um, but I'm, I'm very curious to see a resolution I feel like we'll find out something about Yelena because I, I just I feel like she had to have been blipped um, because given the ending and then giving uh, Natasha's feelings in Endgame, I just feel like it wouldn't make sense for Yelena to not to have reconnected with uh, Natasha, given the you know horribly disruptive uh, you know effect that the blip had on the universe. Uh, I feel like she would have reached out at some point. Um, so the fact that she didn't or doesn't seem to have, based on Natasha's comments, makes me think that you know that that was it. Um, and that they did blip out. Um, it does bring in the question, how long, at what point of the timeline are we seeing her at the gravesite after after the movie, after the movie's over, where she sees Val? Because Val mentions she's got a job, and Elena says that she's on vacation. It implies that they've worked together for a while, or at least for a bit, and that she's taking some time off between jobs. So if, they were, if she was blipped and then came back and started working for Val, it brings in a lot of questions. Um, maybe she was working... For Val, before she got blipped, who knows? There's all. I mean, I, I don't know if these are answers that we're ever going to get. But I, it, this is this is how the MCU succeeds in a lot of ways: is that they give you just enough to kind of make up your own headcanon, and it's exciting to try and piece it all together. They give you a lot of the building blocks, but they don't always, you know, give you a direct like this is this, this is that, this is that. A lot of times they give you just a bit, and you have to kind of work out the rest in your head. And sometimes it's frustrating, but in a fun exercise, right? I mean, even in WandaVision, like you have the thought of, well, when did Vision have time to purchase this property that he was going to live in with Wanda, given that, you know, she was on the run and they were clandestinely meeting? Like, there's a bit of a jump there, but I think if you're enjoying the ride, you're happy to make the jump and then you want to make the mental leap to get them, that makes it make sense, um, which is 
you know, I, again, I think that in a lot of ways that is instrumental and part of the MCU's success. Um, one thing I, I thought was weird is that after the movie, a lot of the, I think every movie has, uh, you know, kind of a, um, uh, an initial credit phase where, you know, it's they have like a cool title card or something, or there's some animation on the screen, and then they go you know, into usually into the post credit scene or mid credit scene, and then they go into the basic credits. And this one, we just got basic credits and nothing else. Anyways, this was a great movie, very enjoyable, um, a lot of great action and a lot of intrigue. This was really, really enjoyable. It's one of those movies that obviously we wish that it would have come out earlier in some ways because we could have enjoyed Black Widow having a movie before she, you know, the character had died. But uh, that being said, you know, this was a, a solid movie from start to finish. It's well worth $35 uh, Canadian if you're, if you, uh, if there's, especially if there's two of you. If there's one of you, then maybe not. But if you're going to watch them multiple times, I mean, and that's the thing. Like I was talking with, uh, on text with my brother-in-law, Paul Scores, who's been on the show before, and he seemed, you know, to have issues with the movie and not really enjoy it as much. And then Nathan Strzok has been on the show as well really seemed to enjoy it and my wife loved it and it's like I'd watch that again and she doesn't say that about every MCU movie so um, it's interesting too I was watching um, it was a Screen Rants pitch meeting for uh, Black Widow and it was interesting how you know they're saying like let's do a grounded movie you know but you know like do a grounded movie about a character who died in Vormir jumping off a cliff to get a magical stone to prevent you know, a purple alien from getting a finishing his power glove. Like it sounds ludicrous. Uh, but this, you know, this is a nice grounded, much more grounded film. I guess the only thing that seems to bug a lot of people is that, you know, Natasha lets her family kind of escape and she's there presumably to get captured by Ross. But then two weeks later, she's got a Quinjet. So there's missing, there's something missing there. Um, I did like that earlier in the movie, we had her contemplating, you know, getting a blonde hair color, and then she doesn't do it. And then at the very end, she does it because obviously that's what she looks like in Infinity War. So I like it. I like the, the link ups to that movie. Um, you know, to kind of, you know, I like also the idea that she was the one who helped break them out of the raft um, because we don't actually know when Steve shows up uh, at the raft. Like, we know he does. We don't know what time exactly when he shows up to, to break everyone out. So that's curious as well. Um, so I'm excited. I, I, I obviously we're probably not ever going to see that, but I like the, the insinuation that, you know, she was a big part of that. And again, giving the character more credit uh, than at the time she gets. Um, and Yelena Belova, welcome to the MCU. You're going to be hopefully a big part going moving forward uh, in what we're going to be seeing. Uh, it's interesting because we haven't really seen a lot of you know what we're really going to get in the Marvel Universe going forward. Uh, we know we're going to get Cap 4. Um, it's interesting because we're getting, obviously, the smaller character pieces kind of setting up all these different pieces, but we're not really getting a sense of what the, an Avengers-level movie is going to look like. We're not really getting one in, in Phase 4 at all. So it's very interesting... You know, way of going about things, and I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm such a, you know, sell, not solid. I bought in so completely to the MCU that I don't care. You know, I'm going to read, so I'm going to watch all the MCU TV series. I'm going to on Disney Plus. I'm going to watch all the movies, and uh, I continue to enjoy this, you know, lo- this lengthy, you know, world that they built. Uh, with all these different pieces and and coming in and out here and there and different functionality, so I'm I'm a huge fan, and uh, I thought this was a, a great movie, well worth watching. It I, I I've seen it damned with faint praise online where people say you know it's good but not top tier, and I'm like well you're also comparing it to like 23 other movies or however many there are now, um, you know maybe we should stop doing that and just say is it a good movie, <laughs> is it an enjoyable film? And I would say yes. In a lot of ways, to be honest, like if we had to compare it against the other female led superhero at, at, at the end. MCU. I would actually say I enjoyed it more than Captain Marvel in a lot of ways. Um, I, I, you know, I think it just had a, a more concrete story, and 
it was just a lot of fun. Um, you know, the, the Red Room and kind of Natasha trying to dismantle it with Galena and her, ex, you know, this extended family. Uh, it was a great concept and it worked and it felt like it worked for the character. I like the callbacks to certain things that we've heard about before, um, but not always in a heavy handed way, like the fact that um, basically the black widows are, are sterilized, um, which is kind of crazy and, you know, very deep thing. And it was definitely handled, you know, with some. You know, it was handled appropriate. I would say as appropriately maybe they knew how in Age of Ultron. I think that's where it was. Um, but here it was, you know, I like that it was Yelena kind of taking control of that moment when it's kind of joked about or there's a joke about, you know, the time of the month and, and how the girls aren't, aren't treating uh, regarding very well. So I like that they kind of were able to kind of use that themselves uh, as they kind of weaponize what's been done to them against someone else. Anyways, I just thought that was an interesting point. Uh, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and listen to us on Stitcher. Um, episode 894 will be a spotlight on the Loki series finale. Uh, episode uh, 896 will be a conversation with Zeb Wells, which I've already had the conversation. I can tell you it is awesome. Uh, Zeb is just a fantastic creator and a really great interview guest. He's extremely open and honest about things, and it was really nice to kind of take a deep dive in a lot of different areas uh, that you may not get in your standard interview about comics. Um, and then uh, we're, we're barreling forward towards episode 900. It is coming soon. Uh, anyways, thanks for again for listening to this episode, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.